0: Jane Beamer and South Carolina's football program are recruiting at such a high level right now that they held the lead for a prospect that we didn't even know about until now. You are locked on Gamecocks, your daily podcast on the South Carolina Gamecocks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.
1: Your team every day.
0: Hello Gamecock Nation and welcome back to the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast, your show for the latest headlines and potential storylines on South Carolina Gamecock athletics. I'm Andrew Lyon, the host of this podcast and also the lead staff writer for Gamecocks Digest over on SI.com. Thank you for making Lockdown Gamecocks your first listen here today. We are free and available on YouTube and also wherever you get your audio podcasts daily. And before we get into this Friday edition of Locked On Gamecocks, I want to let you know that this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of the Locked On Podcast Network. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. So, recently, we've had a lot of conversation regarding South Carolina's football program and the surge of recruiting momentum that they have built up over the past several months. Obviously, with the way they capped off the 2023 recruiting class and with the way they have kickstarted the 2024 recruiting class. And because of all this, I've had discussions with y'all recently regarding maybe some future targets for South Carolina at certain positions at running back and wide receiver. Well, guess what? The Gamecocks apparently lead for a wide receiver right now that I didn't even list on the respective show that I did just a little while back regarding this topic. And that receiver is 2024 playmaker Jonathan Paler. Now... Jonathan Paler did an interview with Phil Kornblut over on Sports Talk Media Network just the other day, and that is how this information was made public that the Gamecocks were his leader. And I took a couple excerpts from this article to read to all of you real quickly. So here's what he had to say on South Carolina leading for him. Quote, South Carolina is really leading the pack right now due to Coach Shane Beamer coming to the school and being the new offensive coordinator and everything like that. It the lead is probably like a couple of gaps. I'm not going to lie to you. So apparently Jonathan Payla does not just have the Gamecocks in the driver's seat. The Gamecocks are apparently a couple of miles based on at least the way he worded his answer ahead of everybody else. That doesn't mean, of course, that South Carolina is just a guaranteed slam dunk to land him at the end of the recruiting process. But this is obviously a very encouraging sign and a huge revelation at that because here's the thing if the Gamecocks were to land Jonathan Paylor by the end of this recruiting process they would have a dynamic duo at wide receiver for the 2024 class that could probably play immediately for the Gamecocks this next season in Mazio Bennett and Jonathan Paler, Because we talked about this before. The Gamecocks are losing their top five receivers in terms of the experience that they have built up at the collegiate level after the 2023 season. Assuming, of course, that Antoine juice Wells is also going to be heading on to the NFL. Receivers a big position of need for South Carolina. Jonathan Paylor would go a long ways to offsetting some of those losses. And to give you all an idea of what kind of player the Gamecocks could potentially get in the future with Jonathan Payler. I went back and watched some of his film from his junior season at two way Cummings high school up in Burlington, North Carolina, a specific point with his location that I'll bring up in just a little bit. Let's just say this. Jonathan Payler is lightning in football cleats. That is literally the best way to describe this cat. He is so fast. It is like he is gliding on the football field and look, because he plays 2A high school football, his competition might not be the greatest. But when you watch his film, you can just tell that Jonathan Paylor, he is just literally built different than everybody else on the football field. His release and acceleration along with his speed are completely off the charts. There's not really one area of his game in terms of his strict athleticism that he lacks in. Now, in terms of how he runs with the football, he weaves a little bit more than he cuts. He's not necessarily a guy that's going to just plant his foot really hard into the ground and then all of a sudden completely change direction to the other side of the field. He's very much a north-south runner, and the thing is, he's so fast that he gets away without really making direct, clear cuts in his running. He's elusive just because, again, of everything that I mentioned just a moment ago. He's also got great ball carrier vision to pair up with his athleticism, so he sees the field quite well, which makes him even more dangerous to stop for opposing defenders. He has consistent home run ability at wide receiver, running back, and as a returner. He showcased all of that at Cummings High School this past week football season. As a receiver specifically, he can high point the ball pretty well, and he also can survive contact with the ground and maintain possession. I say that specifically because the one thing that some people might knock Jonathan Paler for is the fact that he is listed, depending on where you look, at around five foot nine and 175 pounds. Obviously, not the biggest player on the football field but again, based on his playmaking ability, I don't think that the size is going to be an issue, especially when you look at some of the offers that he has gotten so far up to this point. And for his size, he is also extremely strong. He is not an easy guy to bring down, to say the least. Now, getting back to the article real quick, in regards to why South Carolina currently leads for Jonathan Paler, this is what he had to say to Phil Cornblue. quote, everything. The guys that have been recruiting me, they'll tell me what's real and what's not. They literally tell me what I need to hear instead of what I want to hear. They keep it real with me when I get down there. The facility is crazy. I love the location. It's not too far away from home. Just me being around the coaches and their families also, it was a great vibe being here. Down there. And he went on to say in this interview that apparently he's gotten close with Dante Reno, Mazio Bennett, and Nicholas Harper. Mazio Bennett, in particular, has been uh, pretty vocal on social media recently about how much he wants Jonathan Paler to join up with him so that they can play down here in Columbia for their college football careers. And Jonathan Paler plans to make some official visits pretty soon. Based on these comments, I guarantee South Carolina is going to be one of them and make a final decision within the next three to four months. So essentially, it sounds like Jonathan Paylor plans to make a decision sometime in the early summer portion of the recruiting calendar. So some other containers to watch for this recruitment are North Carolina State, North Carolina, and Clemson. And that's where I want to make one more quick take on Jonathan Paylor's revelation that South Carolina is his leader right now. The state of North Carolina looks to be open once again, because here's the thing. Mac Brown, of course, being the head coach at North Carolina, he has been a renowned recruiter throughout the majority of his college football coaching career. Mac Brown is someone that kind of like Shane Beamer is someone that really resonates with parents, resonates with players because of, the way that he talks to them and how he treats them, how he does not throw a lot of fluff out there. He gives it to you straight. He's genuine about what you could do in his football program. And again, that means a lot to these families. And you could tell this based on how well they have recruited their own state and, quite frankly, how bad South Carolina has recruited the state of North Carolina in the last few years. And again, that's not all the coaching staff. It's just been supremely more difficult since Mac Brown arrived. And to give you an idea of just how much more difficult it's been, here are the amount of recruits that South Carolina has signed from North Carolina since 2020. Four. Just four recruits from the state of North Carolina. Whereas between 2016 and 2019, South Carolina signed 12 prospects from the state of North Carolina. So this recruitment, besides the fact that it is a great Great revelation once again that South Carolina is leading for Jonathan Paylor. It's also a good sign in terms of North Carolina high school football recruiting also because that means that that door might be cracking open a little bit more. Once again, Mac Brown is like 71, 72 years old. Now he is not going to be doing this forever. You have to think that kids are starting to take note of that. Meanwhile, Shane Beamer right now in the prime of his coaching career, he's younger. He's extremely energetic. He's motivated and he's got the same kind of personality as Mac Brown. And he's also got some pedigree with his father, Frank Beamer college football hall of fame coach that of course had a bevy of great years at Virginia tech. So, this is a really, really good sign for South Carolina on the recruiting front for a bevy of different reasons. Because again, this was not known until Jonathan Paler told Phil Cornblut this just the other day in this article. And if they could get Paler, Paler would be a great addition to this recruiting class because of the skills he brings to the field, what he can do for an offense in terms of being a game-breaking type player, and also what this can mean for South Carolina's efforts in recruiting the state of North Carolina in the years to come now South Carolina while they got some good news on the football recruiting front the Gamecocks also got some really good news in terms of the NCAA Women's Basketball Tournament but Andrew that hasn't started yet we're just a couple weeks away from all that beginning why do you say we have good news well the top 16 ranking was released just last night, where they give you a sneak peek as to where teams could be heading for these regionals. And the Gamecocks, I would say, got not just a pretty good spot, but potentially a really good path to the Final Four should things stick out the way they currently are set up. And we'll talk about all that in just a couple moments right here on Locked on Gamecocks. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel. Super Bowl week is here on FanDuel, the number one sports book in America. They have so many great features that make betting on sports both fun and easy. FanDuel has all of your favorite bets from the money line to point spreads to player props. Plus, you can even combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay, all on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. So football fans, don't miss out. Place your first $5 bet to get $150 in free bets, win or lose. Imagine making a bet on the Super Bowl and you put some money on the Chiefs. If the Chiefs lose to the Philadelphia Eagles, guess what? You could still brag to all of your buddies that you were a massive winner on Sunday night because you netted $145, even though your bet was nowhere near close to being correct. And you can do all of this at fanduel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Welcome back to this Friday edition of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, where we cover your South Carolina Gamecocks every single day In just 30 minutes. Thank you for making Locked On Gamecocks your first listen every day. Make sure you check out our brand new podcast, Locked On College Basketball, where you'll find everything you need to know about college basketball in just one place. Plus, you'll hear from big name experts, insiders, coaches, and players. Locked On College Basketball is available on YouTube and also wherever you get your podcasts. The South Carolina Gamecocks got really good news in terms of the first top 16 ranking reveal from ESPN on Thursday night. As the South Carolina Gamecocks were listed as the number one overall seed in totality at this point for the NCAA Women's Basketball Tournament. Obviously, no real surprises there. But the rest of the bracket and how their regional setup is more so what I want to discuss here. So, South Carolina... Right now, currently slide in Greenville Regional Number One, where there are going to be two separate regionals hosted in Greenville, and Seattle, Washington happens to be the other regional host site. Now, for South Carolina, if the season were to end today and there were no conference tournaments and we were going straight to the NCAA tournament right now, South Carolina's regional would currently consist of Duke, Maryland and Ohio State. Now, all three of these teams have had very good seasons up to this point, so this is not meant to disparage, of course, what those teams have done, but let's be honest. South Carolina has been above and beyond the best team in all of women's college basketball this year. There's not really been any question about that. They have literally docked off every single team, every single challenger that has been put in front of them, including... Other number one seeds that are slotted right now, like Stanford and UConn. And, of course, the Gamecocks are about to play LSU, who's slotted as the top number two seed on Sunday afternoon. Now, here's the thing. Obviously, this bracket is not going to stay the same. But if South Carolina were to, again, play the NCAA tournament right now, they would not have to deal with the falling teams on their side of the bracket. Stanford, UConn, and LSU. Now, why do I bring up all those teams? I bring those teams up because, in my opinion, when looking at all of the teams that make up sort of that top 16 grouping, I think that these three teams are the teams that have the better chance to knock off South Carolina. I'm not saying that that means they would defeat South Carolina. But if they were to drop a game, if they were to get eliminated, I do believe they would probably be one of these three schools. Because you think about it, with Stanford, Stanford's got a pretty solid basketball team. They've got a really solid senior veteran in Haley Jones who has been in big games like this before in the NCAA tournament. She can score from a variety of different areas on the floor. She is basically their go to superstar. And then you have Cameron Brink, who is probably one of only a couple players in the entire sport who, from a size standpoint, a height standpoint especially, can actually match up with Aaliyah Boston and even Camilo Cardoso coming off the bench being listed at six foot seven. And then you look at a team like UConn. Look. The Gamecocks beat UConn this past Sunday. It was a very good win for South Carolina because, obviously, UConn has been one of the best programs in the sport for a very long time now. Maybe even the best, obviously, with what they have done. And it was at UConn. They went down early, and they fought back. But UConn is expected to be healthier by the time the tournament rolls around. And there is a certain contingent of fans out there that do believe if UConn is more healthy come this point, and they were to face South Carolina, say, the national title game, that, maybe they could potentially knock off South Carolina. Then with LSU, I don't think LSU is a good enough complete team to make it all the way to the Final Four, even. I don't think LSU is going to beat South Carolina on Sunday, and of course, I'll cover that more in a separate episode leading into the matchup, but LSU does have that superstar player Angel Reese, who has been very dominant on the floor this season. If you're going to beat a team like South Carolina, you've got to have somebody that you can just feed the rock to, that you know is going to Get hers, honestly. And Angel Reese is that kind of player. She is that good. So the thing is, for South Carolina, again, if the tournament were to start today, they wouldn't have to face either of these teams. They would all be on the opposite side of the bracket. So South Carolina would have to face other teams like Indiana, a Utah, a Notre Dame, or maybe a Villanova. And again, Duke, Maryland, and Ohio State in their own regional that I mentioned earlier. Again, it's not going to stay this way. But the thing is, South Carolina, in my opinion, would have a clear path straight to the national title game if it were to occur in this manner. Because Indiana's not beating South Carolina. Utah's not beating South Carolina. Notre Dame, really good history. Don't think they were going to beat South Carolina. Villanova, no. Ohio State, no. Maryland, South Carolina literally beat them by almost 30 points earlier this season, and they played them at Maryland. I don't think that Maryland's getting the Gamecocks on a neutral court. And then you have Duke. Carol Lawson has done a really good job up there in Durham the last couple of years. But again, I don't think that Duke is going to have a chance against South Carolina. So, needless to say, the teams that are best set up to potentially beat South Carolina, as of today, none of them would be on their side of the bracket. So, if you're South Carolina, you got to feel pretty confident right now that, quite honestly, There's not really anyone standing in your way. Obviously, Don Staley's not going to let her team know that. They're not going to carry that mentality throughout the rest of the regular season, going into Sunday against LSU, going to the conference tournament, and going into the NCAA tournament in March. They're not going to have that attitude. It's why they won the national title last year. It's why they've now won 30 straight games after they just drubbed Auburn last night. But if you're South Carolina and you're looking at this top 16 ranking, at least this initial one, then you got to feel pretty good. The second one will be released two weeks from yesterday, so that will be February the 23rd, and it will be during halftime of the South Carolina-Florida basketball game that night. So if you're interested in keeping your eyes peeled for that, be sure to look out for the next reveal on that date. All right, so to end the show today, I wanted to do something a little bit different. Lockdown Sports Today host Peter Burkowski, who... Does a great job of covering the NFL and everything that's going on around the league. He has been down there at Radio Row during Super Bowl week for the past few days. And while he's been down there, he, of course, has gotten a bunch of interviews with a bunch of players, including some prospective draft prospects. And one of those prospects was Cam Smith. Of course, South Carolina cornerback who is projected by a lot of people to be a first-round pick this coming April. And Peter Burkowski managed to catch him for an interview where he asked him some questions like, what does he look for from receivers when he's watching film? What was his toughest matchup during his time at South Carolina? What star wide receiver does he want to go up against in the NFL? And a lot more along with that. And I felt like that this would be something that y'all be very interested in. So without further ado, let's kick it over to Peter Burkowski and his interview with Cam Smith.
1: Super Bowl 57, we're here on Radio Row. It's the Chiefs and the Eagles set to square off. A couple weeks after that, we've got the NFL Combine. A couple weeks after that, we've got the NFL Draft. I'm here with Cam Smith. South Carolina defensive back and potential first-round pick in the NFL Draft. And we ha- you can't wear a shirt like this and have me not ask about it. I remember the quote, drop your nuts, because you were at— Well, no, you tell the story.
2: Tell the story. Uh, we were—what's uh, the name? It was after the game uh Texas— T- neck tases Tennessee. We uh, beat Tennessee, knocked them off. Then there was a post game press conference. They asked, uh, "What did I do? Like, what did we do different?" And I just said nothing. We just dropped our nuts. It was, it was as simple as that. Like that's you know, so really all we did. What? What? So, like, to you, when you said that, what did you mean? Uh, I just meant like we just just locked in. Like we just hunkered down. Like like made sure like we we did every assignment. Made sure we gave all, all effort. Like every play. So we just made sure we just locked in mean but i mean i guess it was just so funny like everybody else just ate it up <laughs> did you think it was funny when you said it Nah, like, i was just i was just talking i was dead serious like
1: <laughs> so how did you 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 turned it into a partnership here with Sax? tell me about that
2: uh yeah we had like a, a whole team deal with uh Sax uh like a few weeks we had finalized it a few weeks right before uh right before the tennessee game and then uh coming into the Tennessee game we had already had the uh, little commercials and stuff we was doing with them and stuff like that good partnership with them. so then like come to it I just I said so having to say that and we already got the little deal with them. so it just took off from there
1: so when you go into a week and you're watching tape and you see these receivers what is the 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 trait that a receiver is going to have where you see it on tape and you go all right, I'm going to have to be really locked in this week. Like, there's big receivers, there's fast receivers, there's, you know, like, there's a lot of different traits. What's the one where you're like, okay, this is going to be, this is going to be trouble this week?
2: Uh, it's just like you just said, like, combining all of those seats, a big, fast, like a good release, good route running, like, stuff like that. Like, a total package, you could say that. But, I mean, I ain't really had that all year. Who was
1: the closest in terms of, like, the toughest matchup that you faced? Jalen uh, I... So, we talked to Jalen this morning. Uh, and we talked about this, this idea of, you know, you, you, a lot of these defenses now want to live in too high because you want to stop the big play. But if you got someone like Jalen that can run from the slot, now your safety's got to cover, you got to do all this stuff. So what is a defense, like, how, how, what is the counter, do you think, for defenses other than just, like, we're just going to cover our butts off? Like, how, how can defenses combat all these explosive offenses
2: now? I mean, uh, a, lot of, a lot of that is just kind of personnel matching, just having the guys that can run with those dudes and, and stop the big play and stuff like that. I mean, I feel like you can, you can man everybody up and put one, field, one, one high in the middle of the field and stop anybody.
1: What what is that? What you want to play like like just just give me the chance. I'll, like every corner says, just let me play man every every snap, right?
2: Yeah, I mean it. It'd be ideal for me. Uh, I feel like I feel more comfortable just being out there. I mean I don't really need the the lean post safety help, but I mean if it's there, like I can just play outside level. Like it just makes kind of makes everything easier. Just kind of funneling everything to the safety.
1: What what gets you most excited about a game? Is it a matchup? Is it is like is it the the crowd? Like what gets you? just i'm i'm so
2: ready for this game uh i mean i don't really don't ever go into no game like that because that's kind of how you get like kind of anxious and stuff like that kind of may start making dumb mistakes and stuff like that so i just stay calm really i mean it ain't really too much that i, I get excited for coming I mean, i've been playing this game for so long i mean it's still i still got the love for it and the joy and the excitement for it but like it's not just like a little kid like ready for a, a saturday at 7 a.m
1: so you're preparing for the combine um, this is uh, you know, going to be a, a crazy experience. You're going to meet with probably every team at the Combine, and then you'll have the, the workouts and stuff. What are, you, what are you working on right now as we get set for this off offseason?
2: Uh, right now, just being more explosive and stuff like that. Uh, just coming out of my uh, start fast and just yeah, working on my start 40 and all of that stuff. Just making sure I'm critiquing my uh, my, uh, my back pedals and stuff, my brakes and all of that stuff. But just really just staying on top of everything and really maintenance work. How do you
1: balance? Like, I want to. I want to still try and master my craft, trying to get better as a DB, but also, I need to run fast. I need to jump high. I need to do all the things at the combine to show these NFL teams that I'm an elite level athlete.
2: I mean, it's not really hard uh, for me. Uh, I mean, you should like have the, the just DB flex aspect. cam. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> the, the DB aspect, the DB aspect of it. I mean, you should have that down. You've been doing this for this amount of years and you on this type of level so you should have that down for the most part Just it's just coming in and learning how to run and all of this stuff because I mean a lot of people come in and don't really know how to run and stuff like that don't know how to start so it's, that's just the, really the only learning curve of it
1: What do you think is going to be the biggest learning curve once you get to the league in terms of whether it's football, whether it's off the field? Some people say, "Hey, like just being a person and learning to pay my bills and do all these other things." What do you think is going to be the biggest adjustment for you?
2: Uh, Just uh, different terminology, Uh, just like certain things that are probably like something we call different, and then they call it a certain thing. So just just different terminology.
1: There is an expectation that you're going to be a first round pick. Are you going to be like what is if? Let's say it doesn't happen. And I know you're, you're positive you're going to manifest all that all that good stuff, right? But if it doesn't happen, what is your reaction
2: to it going to be? I mean, it's just going to be as simple as that. Like, it's, you A whole 32 just went by on me, I mean, it's, it's that, like, simple as that. I mean, are you going to take it
1: personally? Like, are you yeah. the kind of person that's it's going to, you're going to remember, like, yeah. all the guys picked ahead of you, that kind of thing?
2: Yeah, I mean, I probably won't remember the guys, but i probably remember the GMs and all of that. Is
1: there a receiver, obviously, you're, you're not going to say I'm scared of anybody, but is there a receiver you're most excited
2: to cover? Uh, in the league, Devontae yeah. uh, Adams. Why? Uh, just the, the, his he kind of kind of got that finesse. Like I want to see what that's about. Are you, are you, would you try and get physical with him at the line of scrimmage? Definitely, definitely. You've Got to. I mean, if you don't, he's gonna try to make you look silly. I,
1: I can't let you go without making
2: a prediction. Sunday's game: Eagles, Chiefs. Who you got? Uh, I mean, if the Eagles. If the Eagles' tackles can can hold up. I feel like, I mean, not the Eagles Tigers, the Chiefs Tigers can hold up. I feel like the Eagles, uh, the Eagles going to lose. But if they don't, Eagles going to win. Like, they air something crazy. All right, there you have it.
0: Well, I think it was really awesome that Peter Bukowski was able to get an interview with Cam Smith. You can tell by the way Cam Smith answers Peter's questions that Cam Smith is all business. He's not really a guy that is big on words. He's more so big on his play on the football field. And that was definitely something he embodied during his time in Columbia at South Carolina. And with how much he progressed in terms of his development on the field and off the field over the last couple of years, have no doubt that Cam Smith is going to be a guy that's going to be highly coveted by a lot of NFL franchises in just a couple of months. But with that being said, y'all, that is going to do it for today's show of the Lockdown On Gamecocks podcast. I hope that y'all thoroughly enjoyed today's show as always. What are y'all's thoughts on Jonathan Paylor naming South Carolina as his leader? His comments that he had about the program? What kind of player the Gamecocks could get in Jonathan if he were to commit to the Gamecocks in a couple of months? What are your thoughts on South Carolina being the number one overall seed from the initial top 16 ranking reveal for the NCAA Women's Basketball Tournament? And lastly, what were your opinions on Peter Bukowski's interview with Cam Smith? Let me know all of your thoughts down below in the comments section if you're watching today's show on YouTube, or you can shoot me a direct message at line underscore sc on Twitter. And I'll try to respond to your message as quickly as I see it. And once again, don't forget to make Locked On College Basketball your second listen or watch now that you have watched or listened to the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. If you're interested in getting some more insight from Peter Burkowski on some NFL draft prospects, maybe some other South Carolina Gamecocks, be sure to go check him out over on Locked On Sports today. But with that being said, y'all, that's going to do it for today's show. Have a great rest of your Friday and a fantastic weekend. And I will catch y'all on the next show of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast.